Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food. Or weight. Never ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever ever. Hello everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. And today we're going to talk about faith. The goddess is on the tightrope with her little deer power animal. She's above her town and she's got one little leg on the tightrope and she's balancing with an umbrella, but she's doing it. And how that feels a lot of times, like we're just trying to stay on our little (laughs) tightrope and having faith that even if we fall, we'll be caught or we'll be okay. And we have a lot of faith in our balance and what we're doing with our lives. So in the back of the card, it says, faith is trusting that there is a loving source of which you are a part. Having faith means that you can let go of fear and tight control and trust that there is great wisdom within you and around you, allowing yourself to breathe and listen for spiritual guidance. Having faith means that even though the recovery process may become difficult and dark, you can trust that you will also find the grace and the light. And I just love this card because this was so much my experience as I struggled through my own eating disorder and then I went into my recovery. At first, I was trying to have faith in the process while controlling everything, which, you know, that did not work. (laughs) It never will work. So to let go of control felt like I was letting go of my lungs or, you know, my heart. It just felt like I'll never be able to do this. But little by little, I was able to breathe through it, ask for guidance, listen to my inner self, my gut. If I could listen to my gut, I would usually be fine. And even though there were many difficult and dark places, really at the same time, there was a lot of grace and light. So faith is such a wonderful idea for us as we're going through these hard times that we will get through this. Our bodies are amazing and they will let us know. And our minds are amazing. Our spirit is unbelievably amazing. And if we can trust ourselves to guide us in our hearts and in our gut and in ourselves, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. We'll know how to deal with anything that comes our way. And we may not like it like I wanted to be. My goal when I went into recovery, when I wanted to be extremely thin and eat everything I wanted to and have a lot of money and go all the way around the world. Well, I had to narrow that down to what recovery meant to me. And the main thing I got is that I wanted recovery to be that I didn't hate my body or myself so much anymore. That I could do. And that's what I 
went towards. Consequently, my weight went to its natural weight. I make enough money. I do my little path work. So it's all good. But I had to really get clear on what I was asking and then to have faith that I would get what I needed and wanted, maybe not what I was trying to control. So I am so honored and pleased that we have Wendy with us today. And she is going to talk about what she does in this world of recovery for people. And very excited to have her here today. And I'm going to let her say who she is and what she's doing and what up with her? Hi, so lovely to be here. And what a wonderful way to start our conversation to invite me to choose one of your beautiful cards and to start with the faith card. I, I think it just is a wonderful topic in general. My name is Dr. Wendy Oliver Pyatt. I'm a psychiatrist and I have been working in the area of eating disorder treatment for decades. I started my very first higher level of care residential program back in 2003. That was called Center for Hope of the Sierras. And later on in my life, I continued that journey. I started Oliver Pyatt Centers, Clementine. During the Oliver Pyatt years, we started a really beautiful program for binge eating disorder called Embrace. And then most recently, I've started a program called Galen Hope, which is in Miami, Florida. And a virtual program, an intentionally virtual comprehensive eating disorder treatment program called Within Health. And why I've done all of this goes back to my own personal history of experiencing an eating disorder, probably going back to about eighth grade. We can talk more about the origins of eating disorders in our society. We talked a little bit about that earlier this morning before we started recording. So I would love to talk about that. So yes, all the things that you've said about faith have so much applicability to my life. If you had ever told me I would have done all these things as an offshoot of my own experience of having an eating disorder back when I was 14 years old and I started dieting, I mean, it's just mind boggling to me, all that sort of came from that. And I can certainly talk with you more and more about faith and why I chose the faith card. I agree with you. You know, I had a anorexia, I had bulimia, I had compulsive overeating. So I would get really big and really small and really big and really small, like a little rubber band person. And just always so sad and so upset all the time. Felt like, of course, I was dying from a disorder. It could have killed me easily. And so if you had told me then, well, when you're 70, you're going to start a podcast about recovery. I'd be like, you have, right. I don't even know what a podcast is in 1970, you know, <laughs> but it was a, an amazing process. The whole recovery process as people always say, and to just step on that path and let it take you where it goes is faith, is complete faith in your therapist, in yourself, in the world, in your body. I had none of that before. I had no faith. I was raised Catholic and it was just beat into me. So I didn't have it from an organic place. Interesting. So how do you, with your client, well, tell me first, what is your work like? What do you do right now? <laughs> um, right now? Yeah. I think I do a little bit of a lot of different things because having started two programs almost at the same time, slightly different times, it was certainly something I never would have foreseen, planned, thought about. Again, faith comes into all of this as an anchor that helps me 
do what I do, but what do I do now? I mean, I could do right now, I'm in the middle of heading off some, I think, pretty innovative ways of treating eating disorders. And it could be everything from creating a protocol or talking with the clinical leadership team about an area that I want to improve things on, interviewing clinicians, writing blogs, working on social media, doing podcasts like this. Could be that I'm talking with a patient who's really having a difficult time or I'm interacting with a family member or I'm looking at somebody's nutrition plan and talking with the director of nutrition about things we might want to adjust that meet that person where they're at. I might be thinking about what's going on with a particular patient and how we can address family therapy in a different way. So what I'm doing right now is just so many different things. I love what I do because there's so much variety. As a leader in my organizations, I feel, you know, an obligation to be thinking big picture and what is our vision and what is our mission? And as cliche as those two things sound, it's very important to have a philosophical framework to the clinical approach. So that's part of the job. But at the same time, I have no hesitation to dive in a particular case and talk with a team or meet with a family. So it's kind of two-pronged and it's being available along all those domains the team. So one thing that I was very curious about when I looked at your website, which is by the way, beautiful, and make sure that you say what that website is, but that you're with the person from the moment they step into your circle until they're a lot better, which is fabulous because a lot of times we who are in this field know that we'll have clients, we send them to a treatment and they get dropped on their ear when their days run out or something. And, you know, an eating disorder, just the way that it is, it's not like alcohol where you can just quit drinking. You have to learn how to have a relationship with food and your body and the world around you. You can't just say, okay, I'll never eat again because that's anorexia. So that is death. (laughs) And so... We have to learn this, and it takes a lot of false starts and alleyways and then dead ends. And as you shift and adjust to who you are as an eater, what does your body need? And then it changes as we get older. Sure, yeah. I always talk with people about change, and part of the experience of an eating disorder is about that anxiety about uncertainty. I always think about the eating disorder as cliche as it sounds, is as creating a pathway that might feel safer in some way or a way to speak for the person or having some different function. And really part of the puzzle is to get to that core issue and to understand the underlying dynamics, you know, at play as much as it is also a medical condition, a nutritional condition, there are psychiatric aspects to people's eating disorder, but it's, there always is like that psychodynamic piece of it as well. And I think that dealing with the fact that there's change and dealing with the fact that there's uncertainty is a vital piece of the healing journey. And why I picked faith is you just talked about change and it led me to the concept of uncertainty and dealing with uncertainty. And I, I think that the healing process involves exploring this space where there's this uncertainty. It could be uncertainty about your body. What's my body going to be like as it's healing? How am I going to accept a natural body condition as it is? The uncertainty around that. 
And it could be uncertainty about life, right? How do I take the next steps of like my developmental and growth process? And how do I deal with the uncertainty around that? So I think that faith is one of the main, there's sort of two, I think, main components of the healing process that kind of counteract that issue around uncertainty. So faith is one of the very most important healing components to help us manage uncertainty. So we have uncertainty over here. What's going to happen? Am I going to be okay? How's my body going to be? How's life going to be? How are my relationships going to be? Who's going to be in my life? What can I hang on to? Who's going to be there for me? How do I create security? How do I create a safe place for myself in this world? How do I feel containment and peace in my life, in my body, in my relationship with food? Well, faith is an anecdote for uncertainty. It's a very important component. The other piece, the other component of healing that is a kind of a counterbalance to uncertainty is mindfulness. Faith and mindfulness can really help us cope with uncertainty. Why do I say mindfulness? I say mindfulness is an important aspect of coping with uncertainty because mindfulness requires or pushes us or focuses us on what is actually present right now. It's what do I need right now? What do I feel right now? What am I longing for? What am I hungry for? You know, it puts us in touch with the here and the now. So uncertainty is all about the future, right? Mindfulness is now, 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 now. Now, right this now. Right now. So sometimes I even ask my folks that I work with, they say one day at a time. I even break it down further. Forget the one day at a time. I even break it into three parts of the day morning, afternoon, and evening. Like what's happening now? If I sat here and thought about all the things on my plate that I need to deal with in my life, if I tried to bring that all into my present moment, I would be very flooded. So I have to look at my calendar and go, what's now? What's happening now? What do I need right now? Did I eat? Am I hungry? Am I full? What's on my schedule? What am I doing now? How can I take care of myself right now? It's all together. What do I need to do before I have my podcast with Laura Lee? Do I want to grab some water? Do I want to have some tea? Did I eat enough? Like that's all now. So mindfulness is about what's happening now. What do I need now? What are my values now also? So if we're tied to that mindfulness, right? It takes us out of that future orientation where we're just all over the map and don't really know what to do. And it just organizes us around what are our values now? What do we need now? And if we stay mindful, if we're present and connected to ourselves in the present, everything we're doing, right? Every single thing we're doing, if it's connected to ourself, our authentic self, wherever we go, whatever the future turns out to be, it's going to be a derivative of our authentic self. So it'll be okay. So the mindfulness takes us on the path to what our true self is calling for. So it helps but counteract that uncertainty. And also that chatter that a lot of us have, especially in the culture that we live in, where we're, as a Bradshaw used to say, we're human doings and not human beings. And we need to go back to being a human being. Just be here now. Ram Dass says in the 60s, be here now. It was such a concept of you can't do anything about the past and the future's not here yet. So let's just be here now. It was like, fine for you, Dalai Lama. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I got to do, you know, so. uh, (laughs) 
anyway, what you're talking about is such a beautiful practice, if you will, because it does take practice, doesn't it? I mean, to calm the mind, to calm the mind takes a lot of practice. We have a monkey mind, as they say, you know. The other part of it that I want to mention, going back to why choosing faith among your beautiful cards. I love your cards. Shout out for your cards. The reason I chose faith is that we all live with some level of fear. I guess tied to the uncertainty, right? There's a lot of fear woven into our anxiety about our body or about our future or whatever. So it's not like, like as simple as it is to say, Oh, Mindfulness and faith, you know, that counteracts uncertainty and fear. You know, it's very easy to say, but faith is a really powerful force. It's something I really, myself personally, I struggle with faith to this day. That's why I picked it also. (laughs) Of course. It's a hard one for me. I was raised in a kind of agnostic household. Like I was told there's no such thing as Santa, Wendy, and all that stuff. So so much fun, you know, (laughs) but um, in that regard, it wasn't great. Faith wasn't like cultivated inside of my spirit at an early age too. And I think faith can really be soothing and comforting. So I had a lot of fear about my future, security, relationships, interpersonal connection, and things like that, because relationships are really important to me, secure, interpersonal relationships are very, very important to me. And I had uncertainty about whether I would have the kind of secure relationships that I wanted and hungered for in my life. And I think in many ways, the eating disorder can be distilled down into anxiety around connection and security, interpersonal attachment. And I think, unfortunately, we get caught in this idea that pursuing thinness somehow leads to greater safety and security in the world interpersonally or whatever. But for me, because I was a little short on that faith part of things, it it made it harder to just embrace the moment. I think when you are in a place of fear or uncertainty about your future, you can really be soothed by faith as you work to cultivate it. So faith also comes more readily to some of us versus others. I'm other. For me, faith is harder, but I like the idea and I tell myself it can be cultivated. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee. And this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. I like to say that the way that I was raised, I'll believe in something greater than me, but I want to see the movie first. That's funny. <laughs> you know, because, you know, I had a lot of faith in a lot of things that didn't turn out very well. And, <laughs> but I love the idea of in this moment, I can have faith that in this moment, this is fear. This is sadness. I'm sitting on this chair. My feet are on this floor. I have this outfit on. I'm talking to this person in this microphone. And, we are okay a second and then right this second now. So that was, again, a huge practice for me. Of, I had to get over years of not living like that at all, never even hearing those concepts. 
So I love that you, that's what you're doing and that's what I'm doing on the whole other coast and people are doing it all over the world. Yeah. And I'd love to just talk about faith a little bit as it relates to the healing process specifically with food, because we're talking about it in a broad way about relationships and connection, but I would like to spend a moment and kind of distill it into the relationship with food. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Because I think that the idea that we can trust our body, we can trust the cues around hunger and satiety The idea that inner wisdom is within us, like that's the name of my program. One of my programs is called Within for a reason, right? I I truly believe that (laughs) Mm -hmm. people have the answer within them. They may need a lot of help. They may need a time, you know, they very well may need a time on the trajectory where somebody else holds the ball and like we say, hey, we're going to take ownership of this and allow us to guide you as far as like, your body's needs later on though the answer is within you the answer there is you know and faith is really woven into that right that i can have faith in other people i'm asking my clients when they come to us and their relationship with food is very terrifying to them and there's so much anxiety and fear that they don't have a grounded presence within themselves to be able to totally own that process so i'm asking them to have faith in me and you have faith in me to hold the ball for a while, not forever, but can you have faith in me? Another part of it is having faith in your body that as you're healing in your relationship with food, that my body is going to be where it needs to be, whatever size, shape, form, body fat composition, whatever size, whatever, like that, that's really my body and accepting my natural condition And what I call choosing the loving behavior, choosing to engage in a loving way toward my body, that I can have faith that my body is my ally, my something to protect. I can have faith that my body will be there for me. Having faith in cues, having faith in hunger satiety cues. Well, it's like going back to the picture of the tightrope. We have faith that we can do this and we have faith that the rope will hold us up. So we have faith in both things. So it's not just I, it's we, you know, we can get through this. And I have more resources now than I did as a child. I have more resources than I did when I was struggling. I know what to do. I can trust that I will figure this out no matter what comes my way. And I will be on my side about it always. I can have faith in me now. You mentioned the we, and that's another thing that I'll just mention is that with both of my programs, with the Galen Hope program in Miami, and which is an in-person program, and then within health, my virtual program, in both cases, the we is very important. The we of this is important. I use the term in both my programs, care partner, because rather than a recovery coach, I'm your partner. We're your partners. We are partners. And One of the fundamental shifts that I am reaching for in my new versions of treatment now, I've done this for a long time and I've been through, you know, many processes with my programs and my patients and literally thousands of patients, which I'm so blessed to work with. And and the thing that I'm really emphasizing now, again, is the concept of partnership and also the point that It's not just about somebody coming to me and landing in my space and working around my parameters and my physical location and my treatment within a 
program or a center or a virtual program. It's also about where are you in your life and what's in your life. So I integrate now a high level of integrative services into my treatment so that it's not just like you're in treatment, then you're out of treatment. You're in our world and you're in your world. Our world is going into your world with you so that there is a step between being in a program and being out in your life. And we're in that place with you. So whether you step down maybe from a higher level of care and now you're at your home, we want to be there with you in your home in the within program. Or if you come to my program, Miami, before you leave the program, before you step down, I make a real point that our care partners and our team need to work with you and make sure that you're really integrated into something meaningful in your life away from treatment. So treatment needs to be focused towards the providers and towards the treatment settings, but also before you sort of are out of treatment, we need to be really integrated with you into your life and be there and support you. And that's when you said the word we, helping people with that transitions, the transitions between these different environments is very important. So that's something that's a big I guess, thing that I'm focused on now in the creation of my two programs that I've started during the pandemic, (laughs) which took a lot of faith, I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) I would say so. How grateful I am that there are people in the world that are going through the whole process with people, start to finish. When you step on this path, I'm going to be with you. Sometimes I'm going to hold your hand or have my arm around you. And sometimes I'm going to walk next to you. And sometimes I'll be a phone call away, but I will be here with you. We will be here with you, which is a beautiful thing to give to somebody who is face down in the food or just crying on their scale in the morning, whatever it is. The amount of such grief I had about my eating disorder and my body, I felt very alone. And so to know that you're out there and you're helping people not to go through that dark night of the soul alone, which we all have to do, but that there is help is all the difference in the world. When I first realized that I had an issue with this, there was not even a word for bulimia or anorexia. So I was like the Romans and the vomitorium. And then years later, Laura Lee, (laughs) you know, that nobody else did this. I really didn't think anybody else did it. Well, I thought I was just trying to be my best. You know, I was under the mandate of pursuing a body size and shape that denied biological reality and biological needs. So I had some crazy ideas of what my body would weigh or looked like or whatever. And I really just thought that's what I should do. And I found they had different, you know, whether it's like some height, weight charts or whatever, you you see these things and you think, oh, that's what I should weigh or that's how the site. And I mean, my God, like I, I was making myself absolutely depleted, but I was so, you know, misguided and misinformed. And again, I just thought I was doing my best, trying to be my best. And I think the grocery store aisle says it all in our society. Right? <laughs> yes. On the right, you have all the magazines with all the airbrushed models and all the talk about diet and weight loss and be your best self and all that garbage. And then on the left, you have all the candy and the soda and all that. And you're in the middle of the aisle going, you don't know what to do. It's kind of crazy when you think about it in our society. Supposedly, we have this sophisticated society, but yet we don't even know how to feed ourselves in our society. So, So mixed up about food. They're so confused. 
jumping on every new bandwagon, one after another, that really, at the end of the day, all those different bandwagons is really about external regulation of food based on somebody else's prescription for what we need. And the reality is that our bodies are really designed to be able to like manage our needs with food, just not so contaminated by all this garbage. Yeah, it is very simple, isn't it? It's like the Buddhists say, chop wood, carry water, <laughs> you know, just take it down. Do I need a sip of water? Maybe I need to pee. Do I need to get up and move around and sit, get off this chair? You know, it's very, it's very simple, our needs. Isn't it interesting, Laura Lee, how simple it is in one way and yet how complex eating disorders are? So complex. Of two very different concepts, but both very true with eating disorders. Yes. Yes. Because it's not about food. What a concept. And when Carol and I came out with the book, It's Not About Food, it was 1999 and then it was redone in like 205 or something. But we'd go on shows and they'd say, well, if it's not about food, what is it about? And we both would say everything else. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's not just one thing. We know how to eat. We know how to breathe. We know how to sleep. We can just trust that. Well, if you think about the whole idea that whether it's about our weight or whether it's about our you know, gender identity or sexual orientation or color of our skin or whatever, if, if our culture is in some way telling us or telling anybody that like who you are fundamentally is not okay, that's, that's a trauma. That's a trauma there. It is. If we feel like... Who I really am at my core, my truth is not really okay. Where do we go from there? Yeah, we're stuck with that. Yeah, we're stuck. So we sort of have to combat that society that we're living in. We have to protect ourselves and we have to, there again comes the we. We have to be somewhat aligned with other human beings who understand this kind of influence that we're having. And again, it could be people not just with eating disorders, but anybody who's faced with that, you know, who you are is not okay. What you are is not okay, or is deficient, defective, whatever, doesn't belong. That is a really big source of pain. That's alienation. Social alienation is painful. It is. It is. And especially if you feel like just how you are naturally, we all hate that. And and then the person hates it too. Yeah, and that's why health at every size is so that's damn important. good. Yes. So important for people to be able to own their space in the world and own the needs of their body and rejoice and rejoice in self-care and find meaning and find purpose in being able to create that space for self-care and self-compassion. And that's really what health at every size is about. But I'll be damned if we don't have to like really protect each other with this because there's so much around people that's saying to them, you know, something counter to that. And that compassion toward ourself is the fundamental foundation of all health and well-being. Self-compassion, although I'll keep saying that. Self-compassion is the foundation of that. And woven into that is a principle of acceptance, right? We can't really be fully compassionate toward ourselves without in some way really striving on this acceptance. It's exactly right. They go hand in hand. To have compassion is to accept what is. You were talking about a minute ago what it is. It's in the moment, this is what's going on with me. And where do I move from here? And how can I stay with myself and 
support myself as I go through that and what do I need in order to do that is way different than I'll just stop eating all sugar and wheat. That's like, (laughs) oh my God, you know. But anyway, so I am very grateful you are in the world doing this work. And before we go, I'm wondering if you would read this last piece, the today. Today, I will have faith that I am being held with the greatest love, reverence, wisdom, and respect. When I am fearful or controlling, I will breathe, let go, and be open to learning available to me through this experience. I think I need this tattooed on my forehead. You know? I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to carry it around with me all day. Good. Put it by my heart. <laughs> yeah. That's the idea of the cards is there's 32 of them. You throw them in a bowl and take one every day. Just pick one out. And to me, Carol and I made these because we needed a touch tone every day, even doing this work for a long time. We're human too. We live in the society that we all live in. And um, would you please say your website once again? Oh, sure. So my websites are withinhealth.com, www.withinhealth.com. That's for my virtual treatment program for eating disorders. And we work with all forms of eating disorders, every body, everywhere. I want to emphasize men, LGBTQ, like people that are living in higher weight bodies that might have feel alienation from treatment setting. And then my other program is called Galen Hope. So that's www.galenhope.com and we're a program in Miami, Florida. Oh, so grateful for you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And you've got a little platform here. Is there anything that you want to just put out really quickly that you want to get out into the world? Oh, thank you so much. I just wanted to say to anybody listening who's struggling with an eating disorder is I think I'm going to go back to this concept of faith. And I love the card that you chose. And I want to wish for anybody struggling who might be listening that my wish for you today is to have faith and or to cultivate faith into your healing journey and to know that full recovery from an eating disorder is possible when effective treatment is provided. I am living proof, the possibility of recovery. I would have never imagined that it would be possible. I also want to say that recovery from an eating disorder does require the abandonment of the pursuit of thinness. Mm. (laughs) And I'm sorry to say it because people maybe didn't want to hear it. So you can hear all the clicks all around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe people are hanging up right now. Blah, 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 (laughs) blah. I'm done with her. (laughs) I don't always say what people want to hear, but I try to say what I believe. Yeah. And you cannot recover from an eating disorder trying to manipulate your weight. You have to let go of your eating disorder paradigm and you have to grab onto the principles of mindful, intuitive eating. You might need to grab onto other human beings who can help anchor you in your healing journey because sometimes it's hard to figure that out on your own. So taking that step of grabbing onto another provider and having faith in that process. Again, I'll come back to faith. That's very important, but you can't actually get over an eating disorder when you're trying to force your body to deny biological reality. It doesn't happen that way. So I just wanted to put that out there that you can recover. You might need support and you're going to have to at some point abandon the pursuit of thinness in order to do it. So 
I just wanted to be speaking that truth. You know, I had, I've been a lot different sizes because of my eating disorder, but I will tell you that my most miserable was surely when I was at a lower weight. I assure, I assure your audience of that. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, again, if we trust our bodies to tell us when we need to have a drink of water or go to sleep or walk around, or we can trust it to tell us when to eat. And so we can then trust it on what it wants to weigh. And it might not be, and probably isn't what the society tells us because it gets thinner every year, gets more and, and more. Our body, and our bodies do change over the years too, they right? Do. I'm not the same at 57 as I was at 17. That's yeah. right. And I tell my clients, they go, I just feel like I used to be so much thinner. And I said, you used to wear baby clothes, but you don't wear those anymore, do you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, we used to shop in the five, you know, department of the store. We don't do that anymore. You're a grown woman. It's okay. Yeah. And also fat is not a horrible thing. It's fat not a, a horrible thing. It's just fat what is it is. Thing. It's a part of our bodies and it needs to be a part of our bodies. That's right. So. All right. Well, enough that you gave me an opportunity. So I said as much as I could about healing because I want to help as many people as possible. And it will for sure. Thank you so much. And we'll sign off. Take care. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.